Hello and welcome to Working Historians, a podcast series where we discuss what historians do with their lives. I am Rob Denning, Associate Dean for Liberal Arts for Southern New Hampshire University's online history programs. This episode is the starting point for a new series on how historians research and write on historical topics. In previous episodes, we largely focused on the day-to-day lives of historians and their various career paths, but with the next half-dozen episodes, we're going into the gritty details of research. I put together a crack team of historians, including Eric Greisinger, Allison Millward, C.B. Repass, Matt Chandler, and Ryan Tripp to talk about every step of the research process, from topic selection to source collection to argumentation to writing. So let's get started. Pretend that I'm a student coming into your uh, your office, and uh, so, Professor, how do I select a research topic for this major project of mine? I would determine if there's any parameters within the class first. Uh, when you, using your sub questions, I think is a good direction to take. Are you going to be expected to write a ten-page paper? Or is this, or is this a capstone? Are you going to have to have, you know, a full-bodied presentation? Can you do this visually? Uh, can it be a video? Can it, you know, what kind of presentation are you looking at first of all? And then, who's assigning it? I mean, is it, wouldn't that be a major first step? Is this a history class? Is this a science class? Who, who's going to read your paper? What are they going to be interested in? Um, what what interests you in that respect? Who are you going to present to? And you have to be interested in, in order to make it interesting. I want to follow up uh, with, with that with, uh, I do think prefacing this is that I think the student should be open uh, to multiple research topics and not just focusing on one. I mean, that can get confusing in terms of having multiple, basically multiple tasks to accomplish. But I think um, particularly for online classes, um, if, you know, the student wants to engage in primary source research, that is kind of evidence, the bread and butter of history when the event occurs, um, they, you know, they need access to primary sources. And uh, I think that could uh, either be, you know, quite expansive or very limiting in terms of the scope of the project and what you can find online. And I would even add, um, you know, after we've gone over the perimeters, ask the students, have you done preliminary, like what, what is known and what do you know already? And I know that, you know, it's sometimes like in a 100 level class, you know, what is known might be a little bit too big in scope, but what do you know within the perimeters of that class, you know, especially, you know, when they go through history 100, it's, you know, we are asking questions of, well, you have seen this reading and you have seen these perspectives. um, And actually this week we're, we're working on this, who is missing or what is missing, right? And that's where really you start to kind of narrow in on your research topic. Like after all of the what class are you in? Um, maybe what kind of prime, once you've identified primary and secondary source, you know, once you've kind of defined these things, then you start saying, well, what parts of this history still need to be investigated more? Right. And like, yeah, as I had mentioned, like, you know, in upper level classes, it might be a little more original research, but even at the 100 level, 
are we presenting you things that you want to know more about? And I feel like that's going to help you dive into, well, this is the, the further secondaries I need to kind of enlist. This is the primaries that I need to look at. Um, so yeah, just really asking them, what, what do we know? Do we know anything yet? Have you, have you looked at different topics? Have you taken maybe the list your professor has suggested and looked into that a little bit and, and start looking for those holes? One thing that I always do, I, I take it a little bit more organically at the baseline and tell students, because we often have students coming into history that that is not their major and, and they've often had maybe the, not the most pleasant experience with history in the past is that history is the study of all things. Everything falls into history. It's all human events. So if you have a specific major or interest, you're in criminal justice. Uh, if it falls within the guidelines of the class, look for a topic that covers that. If it's something about medicine and it falls within the parameters of the class, do that. Because it's going to be a lot easier for them to be engaged as well as be enthusiastic about looking for primaries and secondaries and doing some of the gritty work of laying the foundation for the paper. Uh, if it's aligned with the subject of history, but it's in their topical area or their major area. Yeah. Students sometimes forget that everything has a history. Going along with that, what types of topics do you suggest students avoid when it comes to not necessarily, let's, let's put aside like the constraints of a, of a class content. So let's not pretend like, you know, it has to be like modern U.S. or something like that. Just putting that aside, student is coming to you that wants to, that wants to, is going to write a, an, an MA thesis or a, a, a graduate, a senior level thesis for undergrad. And they basically have free reign on whatever topic they want. What do you suggest students avoid? Something that's not debatable. Something that is something that is so has been proven time and time again, has been talked about till it's dead. And there's really nothing new to add to the idea. If there's not something that is so factual that, yeah, I guess I want to use something that's not debatable. You want to be able to have something that you can delve into. You, you can have not only your thesis, but you can have a thesis argument because if it's not debatable, there's not going to be an argument of something to try and prove if it's already been done. I would say anything that's uh, limited in source material and you know, type of source material, because you're going to hit a wall, then you're going to have to start over. So make sure that you know have, you have a broad uh, kind of idea going back with that argument, that there are sources that you could draw on, that you could reinforce that argument with, and, and there's a grouping of sources as well. That should be even be a me mechanism with selecting a research topic. And I, uh, you know, I would also add um, anything that, does, that doesn't, I mean, this seems pretty self-evident, that doesn't advance some sort of racial supremacy, or I know that's pretty obvious, but um, think through a bit what you're arguing and or what you, what you, the questions that you're posing. You can do the history of race. I mean, obviously we have topics like Tulsa massacre, um, things like that, but I think, you know, I definitely think thinking through the questions that you want to pose or the research that you want to want to actually do is important. So let's say a student comes to visit me during my office hours and they have no idea what they need to write about and they need to write a 20 to 25 page paper. 
The first thing I would probably suggest to them is everything does have a history in some capacity. So any topic that does pique your curiosity could, in theory and practice, become a large work of historical scholarship. But there are a number of considerations that need to be determined and finalized before we get to that topic. Number one, is the topic too close to you? In other words, are you so passionate about the topic that you cannot write in an objective manner or fashion? So would it result in a subjective set of conclusions, tentative conclusions that are not based on historical facts and evidence? The second thing I would suggest is, again, considering whether or not the time that you have to develop this project can meet the scope that you have in mind. So if you have, say, a year, that's going to determine a very different size paper and a different approach to the project than, say, you had 16 weeks or less. But what is important to consider is your ability to formulate a strong set of questions that can guide you to determine an argument towards the end. So if you come into my office with nothing, I'm going to ask you something akin to, if you had to pick one topic in history about anything, what would it be? And then from there, what we would start to do is hone in on focus on a specific set of questions and maybe a specific set of sub-questions that allow us to have a focused approach as, a pro, as, a, as opposed to a totally macro level where we lose any sense of, of perspective and insight. And again, the ability to really zoom in on something reasonable. If it's a really short paper, like a five to seven page paper, that would determine a different set of resources. That would mean that you have to go about it in likely a much more compressed amount of time. The shorter the paper, the fewer sources you need, that's probably going to be a determining factor as well. So the longer the paper you have, the more you really need to have a big picture in mind in terms of developing the research questions, the schedule to manage your time. And then again, how do you actually pick the formal topic? So let's say, for instance, you have an interest in uh, the history of science and technology and medicine. And you come into my office and you say, I'm noticing that there are significant problems with plastic pollution today. How could I write a history of plastics? That would be something that gets us closer to a focused paper as opposed to, say, looking at pollution on a global scale. Okay, And then what we would do is look at historical precedents that lead us to the problems of today. But in my view, the historian's job, the purview of the historian's success change over time. So in other words, once we start to get close to the present, we become less qualified as experts to offer insights. And that's where we start to sort of transition to look at other disciplines to help us provide those answers. Yeah, and that's similar to the suggestions that I give to students. Um, I teach a lot of the graduate level uh, master's thesis courses, and I get this question a lot from students. How, how do I select a topic? And again, the specific topic is going to depend very, could be on a, on a lot of, a lot of, factors like you like you described but the general pieces of advice that i give to students are is that you need to choose a topic that you enjoy because you're going to be spending a whole lot of time with this topic especially if you're doing like an ma thesis or a dissertation or writing a book or writing an article now annette your average undergrad student may not be doing any of that stuff but still you're going to be spending a semester at least working on this thing so you need to choose something that you enjoy enough to not tear your hair out while you're working on this thing. You don't want to hate your life while you're working on this thing. So choose one that you enjoy, 
choose a topic that matters to other people also, because you want to have an audience. You want, there are people out there. You want to have people, you want, you want people to care about what you're doing also. Um, your teacher is going to be reading your paper no matter what, but you still want to, if as a historian, you need to choose topics that other people are also interested in. Otherwise, no one's going to pay any attention to you. And what other, and if nobody's paying attention to you, then what's the point of all this time and effort that you're putting into this project? You need to have, you want to have a product at the end of it that people care about because that's, that's your reward for, for doing all of this work. Uh, you, it's also a good idea to choose a topic that you're familiar with. And you touched on that a little bit, but a topic that you like that you already, it kind of ties back to my first suggestion about choose a topic you enjoy, but something you're familiar with that you already know something about. Hopefully you already know the general timeline of the topic. Hopefully you already know what some of the major books on the topic are. Maybe you already know about where some of the primary sources are. Maybe this came up as a result of a project from a previous course, or maybe it's something that you're just personally interested in, but it's always a good idea to choose something that you're already familiar because that gives you your foot's in the door already. And it gives you a starting point. You're not starting from scratch. Generally you're starting with some level of knowledge of the topic um, already. I was just going to suggest, you know, in terms of the scope and size of the paper, I also that I think that determines on how much pre-existing knowledge you need to come into that project possessing. So, for instance, if it is a short paper for, say, a 100 level or 200 level course, you could really be newer to it. Whereas if you're entering into something larger like a, a, a BA capstone or an MA thesis, you really do have to have, like you suggested, a core baseline reading of not just the facts, but also the historiographical themes, controversies, and consensual perspectives and positions. The other thing I was going to suggest, though, is especially in a world today where everything has been politicized, there are some topics that are going to be difficult to pursue. And it doesn't mean you sidestep them or eschew those topics, but it does mean it's going to dictate and determine how you approach that topic. So one thing to consider, though, is if, you, if you're selecting a topic where that makes you um, uncomfortably angry, agitated, frustrated, that can become your topic, but that also might lead to disqualifying forms of bias. We need to keep tabs on that. So you certainly can present a powerful argument. You certainly can adopt a perspective and a position, but you have to consider countervailing points and perspectives because that's obviously going to strengthen your own perspective. But it's also going to indicate that key component of objectivity where you're not just selecting those sources that determine what you already want to prove. So the, the level of passion is important, but if you're too passionate about something in either direction, either I love this so much or this makes me so angry, there is a major concern there that we have to keep in check the potential bias. Yes. And the, the last suggestion that I generally make as a starting point for conversations with students is possibly pick something local something that affects the world directly around you because you've got a personal stake in that. And you also have access to resources because something that's local, all the sources are going to be local. Most of the sources will be local. There'll be, still be some national trend type stuff that you'll probably go into, but um, you know, pick something that's close by that, that will provide interest to the people around you and it'll provide interest to you. And um, it is a way to attack historical problems in a more focused way. You can talk about how a local event reflects national trends, something like that. But uh, it's always good to think local. 
uh, whether you're buying eggs or writing a research paper. There's one concern, though, with a local approach and extrapolating conclusions for a larger scale. Um, for instance, a historian by the name of Elizabeth Cohen wrote one of the best books on the New Deal. It's called Making a New Deal. And what she did was she focused primarily on experiences of working class Americans in Chicago. And then she extrapolated those findings for effectively the entire United States. And it, it's an excellent book. But there are some risks in that type of extrapolation. So do so, right? Examine things from the micro to draw conclusions at the meso and the macro, but make sure that they are apples to apples and not apples to oranges. Yes. Right? Yeah, these are... Uh, and the other thing to keep in mind is that to about topic selection is that it will change as you go along. The the, the focus will change, the, the emphasis will change, the specific angle of attack will change. Uh, so all of these are questions are, are that are intended to get the conversation started uh but that conversation is going to who knows what direction that conversation is going to go in once you once you get going and with that thank you all for joining us today join us again in two weeks when the panel will answer the question how do i develop a research question on a topic this episode appears on the working historians podcast feed and you can subscribe to that feed on any podcast app including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Amazon Music, Pandora, or whatever else you prefer. That way you won't miss any new episodes, and you'll continue to hear about all the cool stuff that historians do with their lives. This podcast does not represent the views of Southern New Hampshire University, despite everybody's affiliation with it. If you have any questions or comments for this or any of our other podcasts, send us a message to workinghistorians at gmail.com or through our Twitter feed at workhistorians. For Eric Greisinger, Allison Millward, CB Repass, Matt Chandler, and Ryan Tripp, I'm Rob Denning. Go find a topic to research. Go on. Do it. Do it now.